Uh, today, if you want to follow along in your Bible, uh, I'm going to be spending most of my time in Luke chapter 8, uh, but we'll, we'll bounce around just a little bit. And I just want to, I want to say as we go into Easter, you know, we have all this growth and you have, you have like gardens and I don't know, you guys, uh, you, you look beautiful. And if your house looks as beautiful as you look in here, then, then you have like a great flower bed and you can just grow stuff. I, I cannot, and I didn't ask my wife's permission to share this story, but, but she's not good at raising plants either. Like we really struggle as a household just to keep any plants alive. Uh, in fact, I, I wish I took a picture of it to show you. Uh, my son saw a strawberry plant at the store. He's like, dad, I want a strawberry plant so I can grow it and raise it, eat all the strawberries I want. Great idea. Uh, it's now brown uh, and it's completely fallen over. It's been in my house for about four days. And so uh, just our, our house isn't good with plants and just kind of kind of keeping, keeping things alive. But my mom, on the other hand, she is really good at, she's got what you would call a green thumb. She can make anything grow. She can, she can just sort of, you know, she'll go to uh, some random place and she'll talk to someone about this ivy that's growing. She's like, that's really nice. I love it. Can I have a, I think she's, I think it's called a pinch. Is that plant people? You say you want a pinch of something and they like go and break your plant off. It's, it's bizarre. You think, oh no, you're killing it, but everybody loves it. And so they get a pinch of this ivy and she can take what would become a very dead leaf in my hands and she can put it in the in the pot and she can do a thing and like she waters it and she gets she gets the good soil right and she kind of puts it in there and before you know it this pinch this what would be a dead plant is growing and thriving in her house all growing up, my entire childhood, our front porch looked like an arboretum of just random ivies and aloe vera's it was constantly growing growing plants we're here today uh, to celebrate Easter. We're celebrating the risen Savior. Jesus is alive and well. He's on the throne right now. And for most of you, this is not the first time you've heard that story. You know the gospel, and you've heard it uh, you know, a dozen times. Every, every time you've come to church, you've heard someone share that. My job this morning uh, is not to convince you that Jesus did rise from the dead. That's, 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 that's news. It's a fact. I'm just going to move forward as if, as if we're all in agreement on that. I don't know if you've heard the gospel story lately, but, but the Bible talks a lot about plant growth. Uh, it uses planting. It talks about seeds. It talks about, you know, Jesus says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. It's a lot of plant metaphors in there. And, and when, when scripture talks about the gospel sometimes, it uses these plant metaphors to talk about growth and new life. And I just, I just want to say, if you haven't heard the gospel lately or if you haven't ar- heard it articulated uh, cleanly, I, I just want to say it's, it's really simple. Uh, the, the, the simple truth is that God created all of this, all of the plant life, all of us. Um, and in the beginning, it was perfect and was good. In fact, God stood back and he looked at it and said, this is good. This is very good. He was very proud of what he made. But then in walks this word. We don't like this this word, but this word is sin, and in steps sin, and it, it breaks everything. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to be the guy who starts like hitting the table and talking about every sin we've ever made, because we all have regrets. We all have things like, I just wish I didn't open my mouth that time. Oh, I just, I just wish, you know, I made that decision out of anger, and I wish that I didn't. And, and what the Bible says is that sin is anything that is different than what God has for us. It's, it's, if, if the bullseye is exactly perfect what God wants for us, sin is hitting everywhere else. You throw the dart, and it hits the wall to the right. And sin has broken everything, and death spreads through our community and through our culture. If you've ever uh, lost a loved one literally to death, or you've lost a relationship to death, or you've had a, a broken relationship with your parents, or you're struggling with, with why, why, why are people so wicked? Why, why were they so evil? The, the word for that is sin, and it's that, it's that symptom of death that is spread throughout everything. 
And then the gospel is this, is that God looks down and he sees the condition of his creation, the condition of humanity, and says, I'm not going to leave them in their muck, in their mire by themselves. And he sends Jesus Christ as a son to die the death that we deserve to die. But he didn't stay dead because today we're celebrating Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. He rose three days later. He beat death in the face. And as a result of him paying Jesse's death, he hands me in return his life. This is the promise of the gospel. And this is not new news to you. Most of you have heard this story before. I mean, just think of the most popular verse of the Bible. John 3.16. If we can put that up, Lucas. John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world. This is out of Jesus's mouth. It's red letters in your Bible. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That is beautiful, but it goes on. The next sentence he says is this. In verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know, uh, many of us live in a culture where when we talk about Jesus, we think of the Jesus that came to condemn, you know, that person that you didn't vote for, right? Or the people who voted for the person you didn't vote for. We think of a Jesus who came to condemn those people who are making terrible, wicked, awful decisions over here. But Jesus himself said, I didn't come here to condemn the world. I came to save the world so that the world may have eternal life. That's the gospel message. And that may be backwards from what some of us know about Jesus or Christianity. That's The Christianity that hates something is not the Christianity that Jesus said out of his own mouth. The, G, the Christianity that Jesus said out of his own mouth is, I didn't come here to condemn the world, I came to save it. And through his life, or through his death, we have life. But that's not new news. And so what we have is this idea that that message, that gospel message that you've heard every time you've went into church is like seeds. And they're going and they're being spread and what I want to answer isn't whether or not that's true. I, I just believe it's true, and I think I have enough evidence for that. Um, what I want to answer is, why does it seem to stick to some people sometimes and not other people other times? You know, I, I, think, I think you know people in your life, uh, and maybe you're one of them, that, that you, you heard the message of the gospel this one time, and for some reason it made so much sense. And, and you were that person you know had a radical life change. They, they walked away from that moment in time, literally a new creation, and everybody around them knew it. And then this other person who was in the room at the same time heard the same message, and they heard it. It's like, okay, I believe that. That makes sense. But they left, and they walked out. And maybe that's you, and you're like, I'm still the same person. It didn't stick. Why is it? that this gospel truth that has transformed so many lives for thousands of years sticks sometimes and not other times. Well, Jesus talked about that, uh, and there's this parable of, of the soil and the seed. And uh, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm no gardener, so I had to do a lot of research preparing for my talk today because I don't, I don't know anything about plants, but, but it's fascinating once, once you get into it. What, what I would like to do is um, I'd like to read this parable on the soil, the four soils, to be uh, more specific. I want to read it uh, and just sort of explore like what maybe he's talking about. And maybe, maybe even in that, find some of ourselves uh, in, in that process. Maybe we see ourselves in this parable. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, a parable is it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a made-up story. And so Jesus probably wasn't gardening as he told this story. He was just trying to explain a truth in a way that people can understand. We, we do this when, or at least I do with my kids. Sometimes my kids will ask me a hard question, and like I can't give you like the true math of it, but I'll say something like, well, son, it's kind of like, you know, on Fortnite when the guy jumps off the thing. It's kind of like that. And it, oh, oh, thanks, Dad. You, you equated it to Fortnite. I, I get that. Jesus, Jesus equates this really hard 
hard thing about the gospel to this gardener who takes seed and he, he throws it out. And sometimes the seed takes and sometimes the seed doesn't take. And he explains why that is the case. If you would uh, read with me, uh, just straight through that parable in chapter Luke chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 4. Jesus says, and, uh, excuse me, uh, just setting up, the, the narrator says, And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some of the seed, it fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. Now, first of all, before I read the, the next bit, because he explains the parable in a second, can we just agree that uh, all the farmers in the room just now, like, you are, like, into this story. Like, that parable makes a ton of sense to you. When I read it, and when many of you probably heard it, you're like, what is a seed? There's a bird involved? Like, uh, what, what, what is happening? Je- Jesus ends this kind of parable with the crowd, and he says, and everyone who has ears, you hear what I say, you do that. And then he kind of turns and he walks away. And I bet some of them got it and some of them didn't. And who, who knows? And so he gets away and it says that the disciples come to him later and they like, hey, hey, Jesus, that was man, great story. Love the whole bird thing. Like I didn't see that one coming. Can I ask you something? What? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I, I, don't, I don't understand that, that parable. It says and when the disciples asked him in verse 9 uh, what the parable meant, like, hey, what, what were you saying? He said to him, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Let me, let me pause for a second and just say, what Jesus is going to say to them is that this thing, this parable contains, and if you understand the truth of this parable, it contains the secret of the kingdom of God. That's, that's pretty heavy. That's, that's big news stuff. This isn't just the side of the shelf of Christianity. This is like center of the line, very important. This is the secret to the kingdom of God. He says, but for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. Let me explain it to you. He says, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root They believe for a while and in times of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. But as for the one in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. If you have your Bible out and you're not opposed to underlining and highlighting things, I had to underline that last sentence. They're the ones who hold it fast in what kind of heart? It's an honest and it's a good heart. And if they have patience, they're going to bear fruit. Now, like I said, I'm no, I'm no gardener, but I think that if I put this dirt in this pot and pour these seeds on it and pour water on it, I'm not going to have a plant by the end of our message today. Is that, are we in agreement that that's just generally how planting works? Okay, That's why I'm not a good gardener. I have no patience for this kind of stuff. But, but Jesus says that if, if it's in an honest and it's a good heart uh, and with patience, it's going gonna, it's gonna to bear much fruit. 
What, what I want to do is I just want to look at all these ingredients of the parable. You have, you have four different kinds of soil and their seed. And I just want to try to maybe understand what it is. And so first, let's talk about seed real quick. Um, I, I bought some seed uh, just to demonstrate with you. Uh, and if, if you would like uh, some seed on your way out as a gift, uh, as you go out the doors, there's, there's some packs of it. Grab a pack for your family. Go plant it. I would love to see pictures later when these things grow. This one says that it takes 180 days to grow. So, you know, I'll talk to you in a couple of months. Uh, What's funny about it is that parable, he says the sower is just throwing seed, like discriminately, you know, non-discriminately rather. It's falling on the path, it's falling on rocks, it's falling in thorny areas, and it's in good soil. I, I read that and I thought, oh, that's, that's of course, that's easy, piece of cake. Uh, that's just what you do with seed, I guess. I don't know. Uh, gardeners in here will probably say, no, you, you don't do that. Why? Because seed is not cheap. I didn't know that. This little pack of seed right here is $2 in my hand. Can you, are you kidding me? It's, it's, it's not even good for eating. It says I can't eat it. It says it's poisonous right here. Um, it's, it, see, this expensive. And this, this, the sower, this farmer is just grabbing like handfuls out of a bag and just like tossing it into the crowd. But if the seed is the, the gospel message that I said at the start, it is expensive. It costs Jesus' very blood and life to, to pay the price for that seed to be available to you and me. And so he's casting carelessly freely, some might even say recklessly, as controversial as that song became, uh, recklessly, his love and his seed, his, his life, his hope, uh, and it's landing on all kinds of soil. But of the four soils, only one took, and he calls it the good soil. Now, when, when you look at good soil, this, this bucket right here is full of good soil. My intention was to fill a bucket and then to show it to you. It turns out soil has weight, and uh, I wasn't paying attention to that as I got it. But, you know, the thing about good soil is I don't have any of this at my house, but look how dark this stuff is. This, this, is, this is good soil. Uh, Lucas, yeah, you already have it up there. So good soil, uh, as I did my research, says this, that, that good soil, it's rich in nutrients and contains the proper amounts of water and even air. It has to be loose. Uh, if you look closely, and, and you're welcome to come look at this later, you would notice that it's not just one single substance. I, I don't know if you know that or not, but, but like good soil, it's, it's, it's different matter that's in different states of decay. There's like a piece of bark, there's some roots, there's like moss in here, and, it, and it's just kind of, it, it, it's in there decaying at, at the proper weight. It's full of sands and silts and clays, but the proper amounts. Good soil has to have just the proper amounts. You don't want too much of any of this stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's abundant with life. Uh, this, luckily, this bucket isn't abundant of life inside, but, you know, you, if you have this at home, you're going to have, like, little critters and worms and, you know, caterpillars and stuff, just like you bury your hand in there. And, and my kids would be, like, awesome, because I have all boys. Uh, but there's some of us who are like, it's gross, I want that out of here, let's poison it. But if you want your garden to grow, you want that good soil to take, you want life deep, deep within the soil. Uh, and it's able to receive the new growth and to grow. I don't know what the soil is made out of, but I wonder, I wonder what the story of the soil is. Like, was there a tree that, like, you know, 20 years ago, big and strong, and they cut it down, maybe it rotted, kind of fell into the ground, started to decay? What, what was life became death, and then death became life again? You know, it, it comes from somewhere. It's organic material all the way through. I was doing some research on what the perfect soil would be. Um, the perfect soil, they say, it has a pH uh, of between 6.5 and 6.8. That's a very narrow window, by the way. You don't want it too acidic. You don't want it too alkaline. 
Um, Texas soil, if you just go outside in any random place in Texas, the average pH in Texas is a range from 4.5 to 8.5. It's a, it's a much larger range. It's very acidic or very alkaline. But the, the perfect soil for your garden is, is very specific. Uh, they say that, that you want to have just the right amount of water, right? I never know the right amount of water. We have a plant in our house right now. We put one ice cube in it once a week. That's the proper amount of water. That's what the tag said. Are you kidding me? If that tag wasn't there, I would have drowned that plant on day one. One ice cube, one day a week. That's ridiculous. But the perfect amount of water uh, for, for the average soil, uh, you don't want too much so that it drowns all the plants and kills all the life. You don't want too little that it's just dehydrated and crispy and crunchy, which is what my strawberry plant looks like at the house. The perfect amount of water, they say, is about 25%. And so in this bucket of perfect soil, I can't see it, but I can feel moisture in it. I can feel it as I, you can see how it sticks to my hand because it's got moisture in it. And so the perfect amount of water in soil is about 25%. Another thing that you need in your soil is air. It has to have looseness to it. Uh, that's another reason I can't grow plants because I'll, I'll put a tree in and I, like all that clay, I just form like a pot all around it. But, but the perfect amount of air, it says, is also 25%. 25% air is a lot. And this, is, this bucket is it's full of, of air and, and water. It's got the right pH level, and it's abundant with life. If you, if you have an environment that is, is the exact opposite of all of that, you might get this guy. If you can show me the, the Tolan man. Uh, this is one of the bog bodies that they found in northern Europe. There are these bogs. Um, I don't know what the scientific definition of a bog is. I didn't look it up, but just think like frozen swamp. It's like, we know swamps, we're in Southeast Texas. It's just cold, frozen swamp uh, in Northern Europe. Uh, and the, the bog is just this watery, peaty, mossy soil. And they started excavating, and at the bottom of these bogs, they found bodies. The, they call them bog bodies. There are these mummies that are down there. This is one that they found, one of the early ones that they found in 1950. This is the Tolan man. He is perfectly preserved. Why? Why is it that he went into this bog, and he didn't decay, and he didn't, he didn't just, you know, like, like everybody? Well, the pH is incredibly acidic. It's, it's around pH 3 or something like that. It's very acidic. Uh, there is nearly no no oxygen, no air in there. It's in a very anaerobic environment. And so it perfectly preserves these bodies. You can see, you can see his face. Uh, you, you can make out you know, his hair structure. Some of the bodies that they found, you can find clothes. It's so perfectly preserved. Nothing has changed. Um, they, they did some, some autopsies on him, and they found that his last meal was incredibly nutritious. They think it was, he was a part of some kind of religious practice from who knows what religion, forgotten religion, and they think he was a, like a human sacrifice, but uh, he, he died. In, in fact, when they did the autopsy and found out what he ate, they also found in him that he was suffering from three parasites. He had three different parasite infections in him. And they have no idea how old he actually is, but the, the research that I read said 8,000 BC, which would put him uh, before the mummies in Egypt were being made. This guy was already formed this way, and they found him in 1950. See, the thing about good soil and bad soil is that good soil, it keeps things moving. It keeps things going in the right direction so that life can happen. But bad soil and bad environments stop things and freeze them in their tracks and so that death just stays dead. He never became uh, uh, nutrients for the next plant life to grow. He never, he never did anything. The, the difference between good soil and bad soil are these environments. And so the good soil has all of this. But, but there were three bad soils that Jesus mentioned that you may remember. 
The first is the soil on the path. He started with the, with the path soil right there at the front. The path soil, it's packed down and it's firmed. It's not really a destination, so to speak. It's used as a means to the next place, like a means to an end. It's, you, it, there's nothing at the middle of the path that's worth anything. It's just at the beginning and the ends of the path. The soil, it's unchanging. It's lacking life. It remains static. It's hard, and it's set in its ways. Uh, anybody in here have a dog at home? Keep them in the backyard regularly. Yeah, I have a dog at home. I'm going to show you a picture. You're going to know this picture as soon as I show it to you. Can we see that? This is a dog path in my yard. Uh, I didn't fertilize this year in my backyard. My front yard looks a lot better. That, that's, we'll talk about the grass here in a second. But notice that. But over time, just constantly being walked on, this dirt is packed down and no growth happens in it. It's just, it's just boom, boom, boom. It just goes boom, boom, boom. Just getting walked on every time. He never stops in the middle to smell the grass on either side. He doesn't care about in between the back door and the gate. He just keeps going. I suspect when Jesus says that sometimes the seed falls on the path, he's talking to people in the room that their entire life is just being walked on. They're firm, they're hard, they're calloused. They, they are a means to an end. Nobody ever stops to check on them. Nobody, they don't stop to check on themselves. They're just, they're just constantly going to the next thing. There's no rest in their lives. There's no moment to break. And Jesus says that sometimes someone's going to share the gospel with that person who's the path. And it's going to land right there on the path. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It just lands on that hard, crunchy, crispy dirt. And it can't do anything. It just gets trampled on underfoot. If I, if I threw some seed on that, my dog's not going to stop and like tiptoe around. He's just going to walk right over it. And Jesus says a bird's going to come down. And he's just like, scoop up. And I have a nice poisonous seed for lunch. Uh, Jesus says that that's the enemy. Uh, that the devil sometimes will he'll come to those hard paths. And like, you're hearing the gospel message right now. And, and the enemy's just waiting. You're callous maybe. And he's just waiting. And just He's going to take it. It doesn't take any root. It doesn't have time. The path soil is not one of the wanted soils, but there are two others that are not wanted. He talks about the rocky soil. The rocky soil is interesting because there's nothing wrong with the soil itself. It's good dirt. The soil around it is good, but in and under it are these unmoving stones buried beneath the surface. And if, if it rains really, really hard, you may see some of these stones kind of poke out every now and then. The stones are older than the life that surrounds it. And as Jesus told the parable, uh, not just in the parable, but in reality itself, uh, plants have a very difficult time growing when there's rocks beneath the surface. They can't, they can't have the roots grow all the way down. And so what I have right here is perfect soil. The dirt is good, uh, as you can see and come inspect. But underneath the surface, these old bricks, I have no idea what this brick used to be a part of. Uh, here's a... It's a nice iron ore if anybody wants to go smelt a, you know, something irony. Uh, this is another old, this looks like a paving stone, probably held up something. And so buried beneath the surface of what looks good on the outside, as soon as I begin to inspect it, I find that there's old blocks of concrete and things underneath. 
what in the world was Jesus talking about when he talks about people and groups of people with something rocky and old and stones underneath? You know, um, I, it, it, I, I was never allowed to like be in pain when I played football. I, I don't know, and that's good. Like I didn't, I didn't need to like walk around. Like, he hit me. Yeah, of course he hit you. You had the ball. Uh, but but the coach would say something like, "What? Walk it off. Just just walk it off. Hey, just just bury it. Right? Hey, suck it up, Buttercup." Don't, don't, hey, don't, don't dig that up right now. Don't, don't dig that up. You know what rocks are in our lives and in our soul? These are the things that we should have grieved, that we should have, that we should have processed, but we didn't have time to that day, and we didn't have time to the next day, and before we knew it, the rock was just buried deeper and deeper down, and then it's covered over, and I forgot about it. And I look good on the outside, but then someone comes and shares the message of the gospel and it goes down and it hits and it takes root for just a little bit. You know, in rocks, like every now and then you get like a little sprig of something. I had a tree growing out of my gutter the other day. That's how I knew I needed to clean my gutters. Like it's amazing where plant life grows all of a sudden, but it can't thrive in my gutter because it's hard. And sometimes the gospel can't thrive in our hearts, not because there's something wrong with the gospel. In fact, not because there's something wrong with the soil itself. It's good soil. But because I haven't grieved that loved one that I lost last year yet. Or, or I, haven't, I haven't dealt with uh, my family of origin. That The way I was raised as a child is just right beneath the surface. And every now and then, you don't see it most of the time, but every now and then when the storm hits just right, a little bit of it kind of peeks out and just kind of, you see the corner of it sticking out. And then you see that pain. I've heard people say before something along the lines of uh, under pressure, you get to know the, what the real person is like, Right? You know, when, when they're under in, in incredible stress, that's when they, you see the real version of them. I disagree. I think whenever you're under extreme pressure, you get a little stone that kind of pops up. A little, little unprocessed, unprocessed anger that you haven't, you haven't dealt with yet. These are, these are, these are the things that, this is like the, the, the loss of a marriage this is, this is the loss of a job. You went out for that promotion and you didn't get it. And, and it's just like, okay, I just have to put on the good face. And you don't, you don't process it. You don't, you don't get it out of the soil and it just gets deeper and deeper. And what will happen if you swallow it and bury it down enough, what will happen is that just below the surface of who you are is a hard and unchanging person. And Jesus says that he's willing to address that. He, the gospel says that we can, we can talk to that as well. But we have, to, we have to be honest with ourselves, and we have to say, this is what's just below the surface. There's a guy who, who talks about it. Listen to this. His name is Peter Scazzaro. And he says this. He says, losses that are not grieved accumulate in our soul like heavy stones that weigh us down. When we fail, I underline we, he didn't, but when we fail to attend to them, they prevent us from living freely and honestly with God and other people. I forgot to write the word people. That's yeah, a typo. Peter Scazzaro. So when, when we fail to address them, if you're like me, uh, there, there have been moments of me attending church. I've been attending church since I was a teenager. There are, there are incredible windows of time where I walked in dry, heard the gospel, and I left just as dry as when I walked in. And I think to myself, God, why isn't it sticking? Why, why is it not hitting me right now? And as I've gotten older, you know what I found out? It's because I had just below the surface a big, stinking boulder that I've been carrying with me since I was four years old. Nobody told me that God wanted to heal me of that too. I just thought it was like a salvation, get to heaven real quick card. No, 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 the gospel, it gets in your life. It gets in your soul. 
It brings life in every corner of you if you're willing. So the question is, for those of us who are carrying rocks around, do we want, do we want just a nice little piece of garden just over here with all this barren soil? It looks good, but beneath there are rocks that I haven't addressed. Are you willing to let God begin to pull those stones up and help you heal in process and grieve? There's a, a guy I was reading. His name is uh, Jerry Sitzer. Jerry, uh, he was married, uh, had four kids. Uh, he, he, was, he was on a road trip, and there was a car wreck. And everybody said before, like, you ha- he has like a perfect life. He called it the $2 million life. I don't know what that means. I've never heard that phrase. Uh, but he called it the $2 million life that everybody looked at him and was like, you're picture perfect and everything is great. But then, then he's hit oncoming head on by a drunk driver. And in the one wreck, he loses his mom, who was in the car, his wife, and one of his four children, a four-year-old, dies. He loses three generations in one wreck, and it devastates him. He is crushed. He's going to counseling. He's as broken as you think you should be broken in a moment like that. But years later, as he processed it, he has this conversation. He writes a book about it. He has this conversation about what grief has done to a soul. And he says, it's really, it's really not something you need to hide from. He says this about grief. He says, it is therefore not true that we become less through loss. Unless we allow the loss to make us less, grinding our soul down until there's nothing left. Loss can also make us more. I did not get over the loss of my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life. Like soil receives decaying matter until it became part of who I am. He says, sorrow took up a permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. The soul is elastic like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering. Somewhere along the way, Christianity started promoting this message. You follow Jesus, you accept this gospel, and you don't have anything to worry about again. You'll never suffer again. In fact, if you do suffer, maybe it's because you didn't have enough faith or you didn't pray enough. That is all baloney, and it is a lie. It's not just a a harmless lie. It's a lie that causes boulders to accumulate in your soul because you were told that God never wanted you to address those. You were told that these were bad, bad things that you had to hide deep down. And God says, "If, if you just let the process work, it will fertilize your soul. You can enlarge through grief. You can, you can grow, and you, yes, you will never lose the grief, but you can carry that grief forward, and it will enlarge your life as well. The rocky soil is a soil that has a lot of hope. But if, the, if we don't address the stones beneath the surface, we'll always get the little plants. If you're wanting the deep-rooted gospel truth to take hold in your heart, you have to maybe look at the soil and get some of the rocks out. The third and final fo- uh, soil is the, is the thorny or the thistly soil. This soil is, is good soil, and it has good plants growing in it, but there, there are thorns and thistles and weeds that grow up next to it. And eventually, while early on uh, they seem to be just doing just fine, both growing side by side, eventually the weeds outgrow and outperform the good growth and choke out the good growth. Can, can you put up the, uh, the dog path picture again? I'm embarrassed to say this. I fertilized my front yard at the beginning of the season, but I never got around to fertilizing my backyard. And I didn't really care. Like, it's my backyard. Y'all don't see it until I take a picture of it and show it to you. Uh, and, and, so, and so it was fine until I had to go get something out this weekend. I just ran out there barefoot, and I regretted every step of the way because there are all these little, I call them burrs. I don't know what everybody calls them. These little thistles. And you can see all that green grass. Uh, uh, you, there's grass 
kind of deeper into the picture, but on both sides of the path, that's not grass. Those are, those are like little burrs, little thistles that I'm going to have to go address later this week. I'm going to, I'm going to fix this. We're going to get my yard under control. But if I don't, uh, the grass will never outcompete the weeds. The weeds will always outcompete the grass. I want the grass. I, it's always the stuff that we don't want that grows out of control, and it's the stuff that we do want that takes the work. Is, is that not true of life as well? Now, we want good things. We want love, joy, peace. We want, we want all of those good things. But then we, we leave other things unaddressed. Paul would call it like things of the flesh. We leave them unaddressed. And at first, they're both green, and they're both growing side by side. It's like, I, I have this thing under control, don't I? I have this thing under control. And eventually, the weeds grow up. And they start to outcompete for the resources of the grass. They choke out the good growth, and the thorns start to take over. And I don't even want to go in my backyard anymore, if I had to be honest with you, until I can fix this. I'm scared of it. I, I had a thorn stuck in my sock yesterday. I couldn't figure out why I was getting poked every time I took a step. I just want to stay away. Some of us have soil that you've heard the good news, the seed, the gospel. It's there, and it's growing but, but you haven't addressed the weeds and the thorns. And honestly, people are just kind of, they got poked a couple too many times. And now they're kind of scared to get around us. We're a little bit angry. We have a couple of problems. I think the thorns are all of the isms of life that, that they start out seemingly harmless and then they take over. I think of alcoholism and other addictions. I think of workaholism. I think of that temptation for the dad to work 12, 14 hours in a day and think, I'm bringing home the bacon. But then after a month or two of doing that, the family is suffering and struggling, and the boss wants more out of you than you've ever planned on giving. I think of, I think of all the people who, like, it's just a little bit of anger. It's just a little bit of a rage problem. It's just that I have it under control. But do you? Eventually it grows and it gets out of control. I think, I think of the, the person who goes to work and there's this, there's this, Coworker that, you know, it's, it's harmless flirting. It's, it's not going to turn into anything. And then three months later, you're, this blew up way out of proportion. I didn't, I didn't mean for it to grow up this fast, this hard, this, this dangerous. These are the thorns in life. These are the things that become issues of integrity and compromise. When, when we walk into a space and we just compromise one time, you thought about it, you know, I know I'm supposed to tell the truth, but I'm, I'm going to do, I, I'm just, it's easier not to. And then the next time it's easier, and next time it's easier, eventually, you're just a dishonest person. I think these are the thorns of life that we have to address, and we have to be willing to get into the soil and weed them out. Those are the four soils that Jesus mentioned. And he says that this gospel is spread and hits all the soils differently. And you, you walked in here knowing you're going to hear the gospel. It's Easter Sunday, my gosh. You knew you are going to hear it. Uh, maybe, maybe a question that's popping here is like, why hasn't it stuck before? Why hasn't it stuck for my friend? Why hasn't it stuck for my spouse? Like, I, 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 want, I want him. I want her to hear this message. I want it to say, why is it not sticking? I wish it would stick in my life. Why, why not? I think, I think the Lord would challenge us today and say, have you addressed the soil? The difference between um, a useless plot of dirt. Can you put that up, Lucas, please? The, the difference between a useless plot of dirt, of just nothingness. There's nothing growing in here. It's good soil, but there's nothing here. And a beautiful, award-winning arboretum that they put on the cover of magazines. There's only, there's only a few differences between those two things. It's good seed. It's the quality of the soil. It's the quality of the gardener who knows how to take good care of what that growth is. The Lord is willing 
Not just to tell you the message and sit back and wait for you to hear it. The Lord is willing to get his hands dirty. The Lord is willing to get into your life if you want him to. Get into your life and just say, hey, listen, buddy, buddy, I know you've been carrying this around. This is that thing that your, your dad said when you were 10. And you, you, this has been fuel for you to get everything done. And you think that this is good and you're scared to let it go. But if you trust me, the Lord would say, if you trust me, I can put this to good work and get it out of the way and we can let some things grow. He says, he says this, is, this is that first marriage. It just fell apart because of whatever reason. And just, it, didn't, it didn't happen the way that you planned it to. And you've been bitter and angry for too long. Would you, would you be willing to let go of that anger? Are you, are you, ready, are you ready to heal? I can, I can take that. He's willing to get in there and get dirty. There's a song uh, by a guy named Chris Renzema. Uh, I've heard the song. It's such a beautiful song. It's called Springtime, uh, and it, it applies to what we're talking about today. So well, I want to read just a few of the lyrics right here. It says, uh, I'm not going to sing it. You're welcome, by the way. Uh, it says, you're the living water. God, we thirst for you. The dry and the barren will flower and bloom. You're the sun that's shining. You restore my soul. The deeper you call us, the deeper we'll go. Come tend the soil. Come tend the soil of my soul. And like a garden, like a garden, I will grow. It's a beautiful message. I don't think most of, some of you heard the gospel for the first time today, and praise God you heard it. I don't think most of you need to hear the gospel again. I think most of you need to, need to let the Lord, let the gospel stick, start to work on the, the soul. The gospel is a good seed, and it still works. I can point to, and I can give you examples in my own life, where I'm not the person I should be. The gospel still works. What would the Lord be asking you to do this morning? to address in, in the soul. Would you be willing to let him, would you be willing to talk to him about that? Here's what I'm going to do. Not to be weird, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray in just a moment. But before I do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to, to bow your head, close your eyes. And I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give about you know, just 15 seconds, 30 seconds, of, if you would, uh, just between you and your father in the silence and the stillness of your head, to just talk to him about some things that are in your soul that you've been carrying around. Uh, are they stones that you've been carrying around since childhood? Or do you have some thorns that you just really need to address? Or have you been walked on and you're that path that's just trampled and you're hard and you're unmoving and you're callous and you're ready for somebody to address this? Because I believe that if you would let him, I believe that if you would let him, he would tend in you and grow in you a wonderful garden, beautiful. You would be that story that people talk about of transformation by the gospel. Would you take a few moments talking to your Lord about that? Father, we thank you that on that Easter morning when everyone thought death had won and it looked so obvious that there was no more life, Father, you uh, raised Jesus from the dead and he's alive and well. And in that is power and hope and we find hope in his name. Lord, I pray for us in this room that where, where death has taken root, 
or we've carried pieces of death around since our childhood where, where our death, the thorns keep hurting other people. Father, uh, I pray that we would have the courage to hand you that and we would see your gospel take root again anew, afresh, and would begin to transform our lives, transform the lives of our loved ones. We would see in that amazing life and amazing hope. Father, that you would, you would call us to new growth in areas that we've been scared to trust you with before. But Father, we're willing and ready. Uh, and we ask that you would do a, a good work uh, in us. We love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.